From the Spec Network, this is Fragmented, an Android developer podcast where we talk about building good software and becoming better developers. I'm Don Felker. And I'm Kaushik Gopal. Welcome to the show. This episode of Fragmented is brought to you by Educative.io. Now, there are a lot of websites out there that help you teach programming courses, but one thing most of them tend to do is focus on video, so they're all video-based. Educative.io takes a very different approach. Uh, to them, they go the text-based route. That means you don't necessarily have to like scrub back and forth to follow along, say, you know, you're going through a video and someone just blows past a certain section and then you're going back wait 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 what did they say exactly and you rewind then open up a notepad to take notes you don't have to do any of that with educative.io because it's text-based think of it as like almost reading a book if you're reading a book it's pretty easy to skim back uh, or double back and just easily skim through in addition to a, a whole bunch of amazing courses out there here's the kicker if you're an android developer they just launched a killer android course called modern android app development it's perfect just go back refresh your memory and go through the educative course it has a fully functional live android emulator so you can actually create and deploy your app right from within the course you'll get a live link to the app that you can share with friends or even you know put up on your portfolio if you start looking for jobs Check it out now and get an additional 10% off your purchase if you go through this special link, educative.io slash fragmented. Once again, that's educative.io, E-D-U-C-A-T-I-V-E, in case you didn't catch the spelling, educative.io slash fragmented. Thanks again for sponsoring this show, Educative. So, Don, uh, I wanted to ask you about this question because I know you have, especially recently, a lot more experience in this. Um, I I recently released a YouTube video and it was about actually something completely different from Android. Uh-huh. It was about writing ARC, uh, AWK. Um, uh-huh. So uh, yeah, and this is like one of those things I love tinkering with command line tools and a lot of like ARC said and one of these days I was like actually working on a script and then one of my colleagues was like whoa like hold on like you actually remember this you don't have to like google the stuff and I was like yeah I usually do but I've worked with a lot of these tooling that I'm comfortable with it so um, I actually like released a video and I know we were talking about this it was kind of funny the keyboard I use is not my kinesis so I got a lot of questions there too where people were like wait I thought you use a kinesis and I was like, I do. And I had, one, I had one at work and at home, but I never thought we would get into this whole working from home situation. So I gave the one that I have at home to a colleague to try out and convert uh, him into a Kinesis, mm-hmm. only to realize after this that my Kinesis was stuck at work. <laughs> oh, no. uh, but anyway, I've saved my Kinesis and it's safe and sound back at uh, home. So if I release the next YouTube video, I'll, you'll probably see me use the Kinesis. But anyway, that's a tangent. The... The main point, though, is like I noticed that like you know, ARC is in some ways a programming language, and it actually has a very different mental model from mobile programming as such. You know, mm-hmm. the typical kind of programming that you know you and I do for the most part. And I wanted to have this discussion with you. I know we've been having it offhand, uh, and I thought we'll just take it live. Yeah. Um, do, what do you? What is your opinion about polyglot programmers? And we should probably start by defining what that is. But I wanted to ask. 
does it make sense? Is there value in it? Is there not value in it? Should you maybe, you know, dig deep and like get really good at one thing to be able to be effective as a software engineer these days? I just want like all your thoughts around, you know, what it is to be such a programmer. Yes. Good show, man. Catch you next week. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. So for the folks that are wondering what, what the heck does polyglot mean, uh, polyglot, the definition is an adjective. It's knowing or using several languages. Mm-hmm. Um, so and, and this, this is it, like human, like not human, non-programming, like even regular language. Yeah. This is like an English word, right? Like yeah, to be a polyglot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you can be a polyglot <laughs> in, in many things. Uh, in our reference, we're talking about as programming languages. Would you be a programming language polyglot? Uh, my opinion is uh, yes, super beneficial. And let me just preface this with with saying, on average, every day uh, I work with the following languages. I'm just going to list them. Out. I have my hand in front of me. I'm like, all right, I got. Uh, <laughs> and some people are going to say, well, that's not really a language. That's a markup language. Whatever. I don't care. I'm not here to argue that. I got the um, mic. Just listen to me now. <laughs> yeah. This, this, is my, this is my mic. Listen, it's my show. Get off my show. <laughs> it's a. Uh, um, HTML, I got CSS, I got JavaScript, I'm, I'm in Rails, so I'm in Ruby, um, I'm in um, ERB, uh, I am in uh, Kotlin, Java, XML, um, JSON, um, just off the top of my head, those, I'm, what, I'm in nine now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, SQL, so I'm at 10. SQL, so I'm in, I'm in, just those are 10 that I'm in almost every day. Yeah, yeah. Um, and people are like, well, why are you in multiple languages? Like, um, well, if I, a lot of times, especially for you and I, Kaushik, we work up in, in the startup environment. And sometimes if I need to fix something in a server, like that server might be written in Node.js, it might be written in Ruby, it might be written in Python. Like, and I kind of, if I'm lucky enough to have learned that language or forced myself to learn it, like I need to go up there and make a change. I can go up there and do that. And so like, I might need to make a change that's in Python that makes a change to some JSON that comes down to the client that's rendered in Kotlin that gets, you know, or XML or whatever, you know what I mean? And it just kind of gets manipulated over. And I have to kind of do this in a full stack environment. Um, And now, so to answer your initial question, do I think it's valuable to, to be a polyglot? Definitely. You are going to skyrocket your value as a programmer if you know multiple languages. Just look at any job posting out there. It never just says, hey, you just need to know Java. We don't care if you know anything else, just Java. Like that's very, very rare. Sure, at a major corporation where you're very siloed, that will happen. Where like you're just a Java developer. Um, but if you find any other positions out there, especially somewhere like Instacart or, or anything else, you're going to be in different languages. I mean, even 2015, we were at me and you were at DroidCon NYC. We're sitting in the main room. <laughs> I'm sitting with you and your coworker. And you and your coworker had a Rails app open. Yeah. I think it was probably the Instacart API probably. Uh, you The Rails app was open and you guys were fixing something in the API for Instacart while we are at DroidCon NYC 2015. It was so funny. Yeah, we had like a local environment spun up and we were trying to like reproduce something and yeah. then, you know, yeah. So yeah, I, I think it's it's highly beneficial. Now there, there's many reasons for it, which we can get into. Now, what is your thoughts uh, at a high level, thirty thousand foot view? Do you think it's a beneficial thing to to be a polyglot in programming languages? 
I mean, without a question, right? Uh, the thing that like actually gets some people confused is because they think if like, you know, if I work at like a Google or like a Facebook or I work at some of these huge organizations, you know, where you have to take a language and maybe push it to the limits. Yeah. Like, you know, or I know a lot of people who work in C and really have to like work with C at like a level where you really need to know. That's when they're like, oh, there's value in that. That is true. But I would say a lot in general, especially in you know, like as you start out to like, you know, the mid uh, and like senior like phases of your career, it is super beneficial because it, in, in fact, I would say it's like more like necessary, right? Yeah. If you start out and you only look at one language, I remember like I started out in Java and I think uh, for the first two years, I was only in Java. Sure, I like learned Java pretty well. And this was like in web programming, so like, you know, Spring and, you know, Java Beans and all that stuff. Uh, the problem, though, is I just, when you start to like learn new languages, your confidence levels increases. You feel like you can like jump into anything and learn it. And then I think that feeling is one that I missed early on, like in those first two years, because I was like only deep diving into like one language. What happens is when you start to like tinker with different languages, it opens up your mind and the benefit, and I think we've talked about this in a previous podcast, even the language that you're using now, you tend to think about it differently and leverage it more yeah. by having some experience with different languages, right? Because mm -hmm. different languages come with different paradigms, right? Yeah. And with those paradigms, you start to think, oh, maybe I should do that. I noticed that that's common because culturally also a lot of like these programming like uh languages like you know the rails community or the ruby community they think they tend to have culturally like differences right for example i think with ruby the whole short methods and like clean methods and like keep your naming simple a lot of that is you know the testing thing a lot of that is like deep into the culture right in java there's like the the object oriented programming a lot of that is like very deep into the culture in python um, i'm not working too much python but i know like scripting and like you know machine learning and like leveraging the language yeah. to do that kind of stuff that's really important nowadays we we have Kotlin and we have Swift, which are like, you know, the mix of both worlds where you have like clean language syntax and you have like functional constructs. Yeah. Uh, different languages have different paradigms. And I would say it's really hard to learn that paradigm like in the language that you're comfortable with. You can't just say, I'll learn this and I'll try to learn all these paradigms. How, you, how can you emulate this in my language? It doesn't always work. And so when your brain learns to think with these different paradigms, you start to get malleable, right, in terms of the ways that you think. Mm -hmm. And I think that's hugely beneficial. It is like a step function better. Uh, in my early days, I I started with Java, but then I wanted to like just get comfortable. And it wasn't anything crazy, like you said. Uh, people don't know, like, but after like some time, I started to do HTML, CSS, and I I went really deep into CSS. You know, I wrote like my old CSS like sort of uh, framework, and I did a whole bunch of crazy things during that time. And I was a pure web design, almost like you know, a web developer where yeah. I would like take mock-up designs and I would like build HTML, CSS, and JavaScript code to like represent that one to one. That just gave me a very different way of thinking. You know, it gives you like a different like mode of thinking. From there, I moved to Rails and Ruby. From there, I moved uh, to like you know Java because I went back into like uh, Android development, and all these uh, and all this time, like I remember one of previous job. We were a much smaller shop, so I had to like actually go to our server rooms, you know, and then I had to like mess with the server there. That's when I started to pick up a lot of like these other sort of languages, uh, you know, this the utilities you use in. Uh, uh, Linux, yeah, Bash or whatever, Bash the shells, 
you start to get very comfortable and these are really powerful tools you know uh, especially a lot of the linux utilities learning yeah. those things i oh feel my goodness. they'll just stick forever i i find it very hard to believe that if you're like a, a serious programmer that these utilities would not come in handy like regardless of what you do right i mean forget like even for work i do so many things at home like just to help my life be more productive uh and this is like what i've started to do like in the youtube series i like show some of these things that i think other people will be like find useful that with these utilities it's so easy what would take me one hour like if i'm manually opening a file and editing things i can just use one of these scripts and these are programming languages right so it's also fun because it it leverages something that you already do it is just absolutely essential in my thinking to like get that exposure you know and if it so happens that you start to spend more time and you need to really dive deep that'll happen in your career right like as you get uh, as you start to like or maybe you don't even wish to do that you know yes yeah. for me it's almost i feel it's like a necessity and uh if, another interesting anecdote when we start to interview like a lot of engineers at instacart these days right we don't even ask like for we don't force people to use like a specific language we just ask like you know do we have these problems solve it in any language that you prefer uh and and we've gotten like some great people to work at instacart just because you know if they're really good at one language they can really demonstrate that you know like and that that is enough signal for us where you're, if you're able to think in this way that's something we can learn you know and like apply so being a polyglot is just absolutely essential i feel yeah i think that what you just said really beckons back to the original post by or maybe be the book by Joel Spolsky it's just smart and gets things done interesting i don't think i've read that one yeah and it's just the kind of thing is like it doesn't really matter what their programming language is are they a c expert are they a java expert kotlin are they ruby mm. same thing can you if i give you a problem can you solve it because at the end of the day that's really what we're here to do as as developers we're not here to be an expert in language x y or z we're here to solve business problems and to use the right tool at the right job for the right job at the right time. Um, and that's really what you should be doing. And sometimes that's, you're going to be inside of, of bash and you're gonna be writing a bash script because you need to automate something that works for everybody's environment. And what do you do in those instances? Like, well, if I know that I've already worked in Kotlin or Java and I know I need to do an if statement. Well, what are you going to Google? You're going to Google bash if statement and you're going to find out how to do an if statement in bash. And you're like, oh, okay. Okay. That's a little bit different. Oh, that makes sense. And then <clears throat> one of the things I really like about being a, like a polyglot in different programming languages is I will start to look for things in other programming languages, not even knowing if they exist. For example, I've been developing... I've been writing JavaScript since 1999, so a long time. And um, I, you know, with the last number of years, I was doing a ton of Kotlin. And then just recently, the last couple of weeks, I was doing a lot of JavaScript development in React and Node. And all of a sudden, I was writing some code, and I'm like, God, this is so verbose. Like, I wish it was like a null operator in, J in JavaScript. And I'm like, maybe there is now. And I Google it. Sure enough, there is. It's just like Kotlin's. And boom. There it is. There's also a null coalescing operator, you know, if you're, if you're using certain transpiling options. And um, I wouldn't have known that unless I was working previously in Kotlin. And so what I'm trying to say is a lot of the knowledge you have from one language will automatically transpose into another one. And what you can also find is that when you're working or learning a new language, how to do something, you'll find these like little similarities. You're like, oh, we do that same thing in Kotlin or like say a new language came out. I was learning Elixir a while back. I'm like, oh, 
they got that from C Sharp, or A, they got that from Ruby, and they combine the best things of Ruby and C Sharp and all this and this and this and this into this other language. And so you start to see all these similarities, which makes it just so much easier to learn uh, different languages. No, that makes perfect sense. Uh, recently, I was working with one of our iOS engineers in Swift, right? We were working on this thing and we were in this problem and I was like, oh my God, there's got to be like, you know, a scan operator of, sort, of <laughs> sorts, right? Yeah. And then sure enough, we look and yeah, there's a scan operator. Uh, or like, I think there was another one where we were like talking about like reduce or something and we were looking for the equivalent, right? Yeah. It's, it's just so helpful. Like if you, and this is like a great example you pointed out. When you start to get comfortable with the language, it trains you to think about being able to apply a certain utility so you start looking for this in like that language and sure enough a lot of these languages tend to sort of have like similar like concepts right mm-hmm. so huge benefit there too yeah and this is also one reason why um we we had uh eugenio on i think it was episode marletti one, yeah, yeah, yeah marletti <laughs> 100, 100 way back in the 100s early 100s um talking about flutter and that was what really piqued my interest about Flutter is like what it could do. And then at the time, this is over two years ago, I was doing React back then too. And then I hopped into Flutter and I said, well, let me try writing a Flutter app. And all of a sudden I realized, I'm like, wait, Flutter basically took all the concept of React and put it into Flutter. And that's when I was just like, oh my goodness, like I totally love this. Like if you've done React, like kind of unidirectional data flow style, like it all just kind of makes sense. And so like, I picked up Flutter really fast because I had already learned React. Um, and what I want people to realize too is like when when you and I say like we've learned it, it doesn't mean that we're like full on like master 100 no, level like developers. <laughs> like, like no, I know how to build something in it and kind of figure things out as I go along. I might still be a beginner or intermediate level in a lot of these languages, but you know what? You say, hey, Don, I got this Python script that goes out and talks to a server uh, and does X, Y, and Z. I need you to convert this to put to Kotlin. I'll figure it out. There are very few languages that I can call my ex- I call myself an expert in, mm-hmm. but what I can call myself is you know, an efficient Googler in that language. Yeah. <laughs> I can you know, find my way through. And I think that in itself is like pretty valuable. Also, sometimes when you're getting some things done, you don't necessarily need to be a master of that language to get, you know, it goes back to what you're saying. As good software engineers, you're here to use software to solve problems, right? It doesn't say you need to solve it using Kotlin or you solve it using like C or Python or C Sharp. It just means you have to solve a problem with software. And, you know, I think that is where there's benefits in understanding how to leverage that language and from different features, like different aspects of different programming languages. Which kind of brings us to a good good question at this point in time. Like, let's say that there's developers listening to this and there are that are been developing in Java and Kotlin and, and they've been in the JVM world for a long time. If you were to be working with one of these individuals and they were to say, hey, I would like to kind of dip my toe into something else, where would you recommend that they go from here? And then once you answer, I'll, I'll throw my answer in. I think at least my opinion is if you've dealt with JVM related languages, uh, it might be a good idea to start to branch out and choose like a slightly different kind of language, right? Mm-hmm. And the one that's available to most people, I think, and despite it having similar names, like JavaScript, right? Mm-hmm. JavaScript is just... A, it's like really easy to get going with JavaScript now for better or for worse, <laughs> uh, as we have talked about in previous episodes. JavaScript is like a great language to like just 
you know fiddle around with uh, especially if, you, if you've been in the jvm world that's one language if you have like something against javascript uh, i'd say like ruby is a great language personally yeah, i love ruby it, it's so simple it's just very elegant and I, i forget the name of the series i used it was basically it told the story of ruby as a book oh, i forgot know? that one i yeah. know what you're talking about oh, oh my goodness what we'll if we find it we'll put it in the show notes but so good though so good it was like telling a story and you use ruby to like get through the whole thing right mm-hmm. it was fantastic i loved it and i think like just choosing a language is a little different from your comfort zone ruby javascript great languages now if you're already very familiar like you know if you're a programmer for like 20 years i imagine you've run into things similar or like any programmer who said they work for 20 years i would bet money on that person having run uh, like run through javascript at some point right <laughs> if you want like something even like advanced or like different i would say pick up like languages like you know rust or like elixir or something like that mm-hmm. uh, just to try like move out of your comfort zone i think like those that would be my advice oh, i mean obviously there, there is no right answer i feel they like you can pick any of these languages that are a little different and you still benefit from it but if i were to ask you what would your recommendation be right and i was like don just don't make me think i don't like deal with like finding new languages just tell me like pick one like that you think would work uh given my background as a mobile developer which one would you pick it's a good question uh at this point in time usually i approach it like a fork in the road i get to, you know we we kind of we're driving on a straight road and we get to a point where it branches out in multiple directions and then it, it's kind of a question i want to ask the developers like all right well, what interests you and like is it do you like does the web interest you do does server side technology interest you does embedded programming interest you like where does your your passion or interest lie like where your where's your curiosity pull you towards and usually wherever they're going to point to at that point in time is where i might point them to so if it's like hey i really interested in building you know a car radio you know from the ground up like <laughs> all right well then you need to see an assembly or whatever like it's over there like so that, i don't know anything about that um and then if they're like well I would really like to start building stuff on the web and then that question it's at that point in time it's like okay are you more interested in building client side stuff or server side stuff um you know and where do you want to go from there and your answer of javascript is always going to be a solid opinion now i'm going to caveat that with that i've spent the last i mean again i've been working in javascript for almost 20 years now um or over 20 years and it's changing drastically like every two weeks it seems like right right um, oh that's a good point yeah yeah and it, it's it's a very dynamic uh, environment there's a lot to learn uh, that can be difficult and frustrating and hard to to comprehend however there's so much out there that it can do there's so many libraries that will integrate with different things so if you want to do something you can most likely do it in javascript and that's a good place to learn however you also mentioned moving away from statically typed languages if you've already known jvm or kotlin uh moving to something dynamic and i definitely feel the same as you there's something like ruby or python and i'm going to lean towards ruby because that's where my my favoritism lies um and the reason for that is is like i for me i'm a builder I like to build things. I don't care at the end of the day if this thing is a um particular engineering, you know, marvel of x y and z. Like I don't care about that. Like I don't care that we squeezed out 2 milliseconds of of time like <laughs> right literally that's my nightmare. I don't ever want to work on that. I don't want to work on a compiler. Like that's not what I want to do. I like building products. It's just what I do. 
And so for me, I, I want to be as productive as possible. And for example, I've spent the last few weeks in JavaScript, which is Node.js, uh, for an API and building React as a client. Um, it works. Uh, there's a lot of powerful things that we can do. However, I've done the same exact thing in, in um, Rails, and I am like oh, pfft, 20 times more productive in Rails. Just because of the way that Rails was built, it's built for you to be productive and get stuff done. Um, so it really depends on what you want to do. And like, if you want to kind of just go, if you want to have like a free for all, just kind of like, I just kind of want to build things naturally as I feel fit and I don't want to be constrained by the environment, go to JavaScript. That's going to kind of be this wide open environment of whatever you want. If you right. want to build something that's like on the web, that's particular, uh, I mean, you just want to kind of ship something, go take a look at Ruby. You're going to be more constrained in what you, you can do. Um, but those constraints are there for a reason to help you be more productive to solve business problems. So um, what you're going to find though, both directions you're going to go is there's going to be some similarities between these languages and you're going to learn Ruby and eventually like one day you're going to go learn Python. Like, oh, I can do this in Python. Oh, I did this inside of Ruby. And uh, and then you're going to have to write some JavaScript and some of that stuff's going to make sense in JavaScript. And a lot, like you said, a lot of these language paradigms are going to just kind of just... Um, kind of just cross the boundaries between each of the individual languages because you're going to recognize these patterns as you move along. It's just like when you learn, uh, they say when you learn like Latin languages, like if you've used, learned Spanish and, and Italian, and these Latin-based languages, there's a lot of similarities that you're just going to instantly start picking up. And once you pick up a couple of them, it's just much easier to pick up more of them. I think that makes perfect sense. I especially like your advice at the beginning where you're like, depends on your use case. I think that's a really good way to think about it too, right? Like what problem do you want to solve if, you know, if it is like, well, I want to like, you know, flash my keyboard and write like some crazy like assembly level thing, you know, pick up something like that works with that, uh, you know, if you want to just write some basic scripts, like pick up something like Ruby or, you know, like a like Python for scripting or something along those lines. If you want to build a web page then you know javascript is a good choice uh, i like that approach because that also keeps the motivation because that's another aspect right because sometimes yeah. you can't just like beat yourself into learning something because you're like oh my god i'm doing this on the side uh, i have no incentive i'm not being paid for this i you know don told me i'll become a better programmer if i do this but like you know am i because this is like seems so dreadful usually when you spin it around to like having a specific use case where i was like I need to write this script so I can get this running for, like, you know, uh, running across and renaming a whole bunch of files for me. That makes it more enjoyable. Or, you know, if I'm building this web page for, you know, my significant other or uh, my brother or my, you know, my niece or something where they're like, they need this thing and they want to like show it to their people and it's easy enough for me to just build this website. A great opportunity. I think like those are the kind of things that will really drive you to finding uh, a specific use case and using different language to help with that use case. Yeah. And I think that it's also important to, you have to also understand the complexity of some of these things. And what I want to say here is might be a little controversial is like, I feel the concept of a full stack developer is kind of BS. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh boy, Don. <laughs> there we go. That's Twitter lighting up. <laughs> it is. But the, now the reason why I say that is because I, like I said, I've been deep inside of a full stack environment for a while now that I, at one moment, I'm writing SQL through Connects, which is a, a SQL JavaScript like 
layer. Um, so I'm kind of writing SQL JavaScripty stuff to talk to a database. And the next set, in a second, I'm writing an API um, with ECMAScript 6. And then the next uh, 10 minutes later, I'm writing React uh, with anonymous functions, transpiling, all kinds of stuff like that. So uh, I am still writing JavaScript from end to end. So, but the problem is like I'm completely different frameworks, like completely different paradigms from top to bottom, and it's and it's hard. And if I want to write an, let's say I want to write a data collection app for my local uh, animal rescue site, right? Uh, they want to do some, you know, anytime someone comes in to donate an animal or or adopt an animal, they want to collect the information. Does that need to be a React app? No. Yeah. Like, why would that be Definitely a React app, dude? Yeah. Like, like, there's no, like, it doesn't need performance. It doesn't need anything. It just needs to post data to a server and save it with some validation. To me, that's a perfect example of when I would use Rails. Oh, yeah. Rails is just, like, built for stuff like that, right? Yeah. Get up and running quickly. Yeah, like, you have, and, and there are, you can take Rails to the limit. I mean, it can be an API, and it can have React sitting on top of a Rails API. You can do all that. It's just, like, one of those things, like, well, You'll see sometimes a lot of folks will be like, well, I'm learning Node and React. I'm like, well, what are you what are you building? Oh, I'm building this, you know, form for the people at my apartment complex to fill out <laughs> when they have a problem inside of their apartment. And I'm like, why is that an API in React? Are you building an an app for that too? No, no, it's just for the web. I'm like, well, why didn't you just make that like why do you need React for that? <laughs> And right. we'll get animations. I'm like, uh, I get it, but... <laughs> I don't uh, think they're looking for animations. <laughs> I'm like, I think they just want it to work. I'm like, I don't think they care about any of that. <laughs> right. And so it's like one of those things, like I've, I always try to like ask myself, like what am I trying to build? What's the use case? And, and what's the right tool for the right job? And and sometimes you may not know that. And if you don't, that's, you know, you can always feel free to, to reach out to, you know, to Stack Overflow or folks on the, you know, on Twitter or even us if you have questions. Oh, for sure, for sure. And it's funny you bring up this thing, right? Um, we talked about static, like static yeah, block yeah, generating yeah. engines. And that's one of the reasons I still stick to Jekyll, right? Is yep. it the best tool today? Probably not. There's like Hugo, there's like a whole bunch of things. But I know Ruby really well, right? You know, I'm yeah. very comfortable in Ruby. So I've tweaked the hell out of Jekyll. Like my current like website does all <laughs> kinds of crazy things, right? I've yeah. written like my own like custom tagging, like related posts, like plugin. And so most people probably don't have to, but I'm very comfortable with it. Do I mm -hmm. care that it's like super performant? Uh, no, I mean like, you know, it's generating static files. I don't care. So I've written nope. it in Ruby. Is that the most efficient Ruby I've ever written? Probably not. But you know what? I understand it well and I'm maintaining it, right? Mm -hmm. And it works great. I'm not going to like move from this unless I find a good enough reason to like change, right? Works great. And I'm comfortable with it. That's how you should be approaching it, right? Like use something exactly. that you feel like solves the problem and like keeps you motivated. Exactly. Yeah. It's that's the thing right there at the end, what you just said, it keeps you motivated. If you're not interested in it, then there's gonna be no point in you learning it whatsoever. There was a point in time when I learned C and C plus plus cool language, just not interested. It's just not my thing. I like to build things. I'm not productive in those languages. I like to use higher level languages where I can actually build things that people are going to use. Um, and then move on from there. This is solid advice. 
It's funny when you mentioned SQL, it reminded me of the days. Uh, I don't know if I've told you this, but I, I used to work a lot with PLS uh, SQL. Do you know what PLS oh, SQL yeah. is? <laughs> it's like the Oracle version. It's called like procedural language wow. extensions to SQL. Yeah, I know. So <sighs> yeah, it's kind of painful, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it I is. I remember that. It's got like weird <laughs> syntax, and it's like, like, what do I have to do for this table? And like this, uh, like yeah. the, the store procedure was kind of. I don't know. They even call yeah. them store procedures. I don't uh, yeah, there's like procedures, and like you know, Oracle like built this whole world and you would use that uh, <sighs> I forgot was, about that it taught me a lot about SQL but I let's just say I'm much happier writing my Kotlin these days <laughs> oh gosh yes yeah like even it's funny because I was working in um I was what I was in some code the other day that I had to, was to talk to Hadoop or something like that and it was like all Java and instantaneously the first thought of my head was like can I do this in Kotlin we looked it up I'm like can I do this in Kotlin it's like yes I was like all right, cool guys if we're writing any of this stuff in the future I'm like this is going straight up in Kotlin alrighty Don if folks want to reach out on like about questions about like programming language advice or like you know what the next language that they want to like tinker in is what's a good place to do that Uh, they can reach me on Twitter or Instagram at Don Felker and if folks want to talk to you about your latest scripts or videos or awk or all that crazy stuff you're working on, how can they reach out to you? Uh, I am Kaushik Gopal on Twitter. And if you go to my the blog that I talked about, which is like blog.kaush.co, you'll find all the stuff there. Fantastic. Thank you all so much for listening. And we will catch you in the next episode. I'd like to take this chance and thank the sponsor for this episode, Educative.io. There are a lot of websites out there that offer programming courses, but Educative.io has a really special text-based interface that helps folks learn faster and more efficiently. Check out the very new course they have for Android developers called Modern Android App Development. If you use the special link we have here, educative.io slash fragmented then you get an additional 10% off your purchase so remember to use that special link once again it's educative.io slash fragmented thanks again for sponsoring the show that's it for the show folks fragmented is hosted by don felker and me kaushik gopal we edit and produce all the episodes here on fragmented Sarah the Amazing Jackson from the Spec Network helps with production assistance and wraps our final mix. Our theme and ad music is by the national recording artist Blueprint from Weightless Recordings. You can find more fragmented episodes at fragmentedpodcast.com. Thanks for listening and we will catch you in the next episode.